the areas that we generally really want to take a look at that are somewhat critical as part of this process is, uh, of course, the interior living spaces. And sometimes not a lot of that is accessible, but um, we do our best. Uh, the attic cavity or attic cavities, if there's uh, any void above the ceiling areas, the living space area, mm -hmm. uh, is a, definitely a critical area we'd like to take a look at. Okay. Uh, and then, of course, uh, a garage, whether it's attached or detached, uh, typically we want to look at that area. Welcome to the Selling Sandoval podcast, where we dive deep into the world of real estate in sunny California. I'm your host, Victoria Sandoval, and I'm thrilled to have you join me as I sit down with top-notch professionals, market analysts, and influential leaders who have mastered the art of closing deals. Together, we'll explore the ever-evolving market trends, debunk myths, and empower you with the tools to negotiate like a pro. So whether you're a buyer, seller, or agent seeking inspiration, this podcast is your key to unlocking real estate success in California. This is the Selling Sandoval podcast. I'm Victoria Sandoval, and I'm excited to embark on this journey with you. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Selling Sandoval. Today, I am excited to introduce to you our termite inspector. He's an inspector that we've worked with uh, for the past few years, and he's very, very good. Stephen Nemosek. I said that right? You said that right. Yay, very good. Yay. So I asked him over because, you know, as a homeowner, uh, we get a lot of questions about in regards to termite inspections and as a buyer, especially if you're a VA buyer, they require uh, termite, a termite inspection and clearance in order to get financing. So I figured why not have him come down and explain the whole process. So um, I wanted to ask you, what's the, the process or, and well, not process, but what are the responsibilities of a, a termite inspector? Well, it could be quite varied, but first of all, I wanted to say thank you for having uh, me out here on your podcast this morning. I appreciate the opportunity to reach out to uh, to your, your client base as well. Yeah. But uh, the termite inspection itself is um, actually fairly straightforward. The um, inspection is primarily a, a visual assessment of the structure. And depending upon the inspector's style uh, and the amount of commitment that inspector is willing to make uh, during that process, um, the inspector will sometimes, I, I use a number of different types of, uh, probing devices to, um, uh, uh, so I can actually touch the, the areas that I'm looking at, which mm -hmm. are in most cases out of my reach. Mm -hmm. So I use a, a number of different types of, of, um, probes that expand, uh, I guess the best way to explain that would be to, um, uh, if you've ever seen somebody cleaning a pole, they, they're using a large pole that they can expand out and it uh, gives them opportunity to reach out, uh, you know, 15, 20 feet. So I can actually oh, wow. reach up into the second story Eve, which is typically a place where we find a lot of termite damage um, and note that in my inspection report, basically. But okay. so um, the areas that we generally really want to take a look at that are somewhat critical as part of this process is... Uh, course the interior living space is and sometimes not a lot of that is accessible but um we do our best uh the attic cavity or attic cavities if there's uh, any void above the ceiling areas the living space area mm -hmm. uh, is a definitely a critical area we'd like to take a look at okay. uh and then of course uh a garage whether it's attached or detached uh typically we want to look at that area and then in many areas of san diego i'm um, sure most people realize this because you're living in a home that's on a raised foundation and right. there's a myriad of issues that uh, occur that are out of sight that are somewhere between the earth mm -hmm. and and your structure you know your home so um and and th those areas sometimes can get a little tricky a little difficult to get access to as well but um you just have to take it slow uh, pace yourself um the process usually takes about 
roughly around an hour and a half to two hours. Okay. Uh, what are some, uh, what's, what's the process typically? Uh, what are the steps involved when somebody says, I want to, uh, I want to order a home inspection and you go out there and you, you inspect. And from there, when you find infestation, what's the process to get rid of the termites? Mm -hmm. um, again, good, great question. It can be very complicated. It really just depends on the, um, the level of infestation, okay. where the infestation, uh, whatever it is that's eating the house, I should say, right. where that's located. And, um, a, usually a primary recommendation uh, uh, based on how accessible that area is. Um, one of the things that happens quite often is that years, decades can go by in cases um, between the time the last inspection was done and the, the most current inspections being completed. Mm -hmm. So that gives a lot of time for annual termite um, migrations and infestations to, to get embedded in the structure mm. and cause a fairly significant um, damage-related issue. Uh, so in most cases, the treatment uh, recommendations are going to be based on how accessible the infestation is, where it's embedded. Um, you see a lot of uh, co uh, houses covered up uh, mm -hmm. with a fumigation procedure, essentially. And that's really considered the gold standard in our industry. Okay. Um, most of our customers, they hire us. Uh, they know they're going to pay good money to resolve the problem. They want the problem resolved, mm -hmm. and they really do not want to have another conversation, hopefully for a relatively long period of time. So if a fumigation is warranted, we're going to call it, and then the process uh, is just a really a matter of logistics planning. There's, um, uh, there's some preparation involved, and typically in most homes, uh, that process is going to take about an hour and a half to two hours. Okay. It just really depends on the size of the home. Mm -hmm. uh, there's things like um, food items that need to be consumed um, or, or um, uh, double bagged in a special type of uh, process that we give some direction uh, on. Um, but besides fumigation, uh, we do a lot of localized treatment. We do a lot of treatment using uh, heat or thermal okay. eradication. Yeah, that was going to be well. my next question. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's that's a, considered a little bit more uh, from the standpoint of uh, customers that are looking for something that's um, in their mind more um, environmentally friendly. Right. Heat treatment generally we're not using uh, chemical per se, but we okay. usually will pair the. Um, heat treatment with uh, localized treatment. Okay. Um, a specific type of uh, a pesticide that will be, or termiticide that will be uh, used to um, sort of complement that, that, um, that, that heat treatment procedure in order to make it more uh, effective to, to increase that efficacy, if you will. Okay, perfect. So what about, uh, are there different types of termite and what attracts termite? I know wood attracts termite, but are there certain like weather conditions or just, in general, what what uh, so that homeowners know what attracts them and what can they do to prevent uh, severe infestation? Well, generally speaking, in our region, it never freezes. You know, <laughs> very rarely the San Diego uh, is, is under snow. So, because of that, we live in an environment that will support any kind, almost every type of bug. And when it comes to uh, wood destroying organisms, which obviously termite falls into that category, the two primary, uh, I would say, daily occurrences that will come up in an average uh, uh, inspection report are drywood termite mm -hmm. infestations and subterranean termite infestations. Mm -hmm. But in addition to that, um, we also find a lot of uh, just basically just water related damage, fungus and dry rot related. Mm -hmm. And that 
not necessarily, it's not going to necessarily crawl around like a termite does. It's still, it falls into a class classification of wood destroying organisms, mm -hmm. which is something that the, the state requires that we document if it's located on the property. But okay. so in, in addition to those two dry wood termites, subterranean termite, there's uh, um, a lot of other things that eat wood. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and uh, we typically will find a lot of this time of year, a lot of, um, uh, uh, carpenter bee infestations. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if you've ever been outside on a nice, warm, sunny San Diego afternoon and you, you see something flying through the air and it's getting closer and closer and all of a sudden it feels like it's a little miniature, little um, hovering craft coming at you, that's very likely could be a, uh, a carpenter bee and it's just trying to find its nest. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, so they, they actually can cause some pretty severe damage if an infestation gets really uh, uh, embedded in in the structure as well, but carpenter ants are a fairly common issue as well. A mm -hmm. uh, little bit different type of um, issue, and it requires different types of treatment as well. But um, in addition to that, again, uh, beetle infestations are really common in this area. A lot of those problems get imported mm -hmm. uh, from wood uh, species of wood that are brought into um, like a custom home uh, development. Um, oh, okay. And sometimes we'll discover that after the fact, you know, right before the keys are being handed off to the the, the new homeowner, mm -hmm. uh, all of a sudden that um, um, that powder post beetle infestation will uh, start to emerge and people really flip out and I don't wow. blame them. So what's the difference between a pest inspection and a termite inspection? What What does each, I mean, we know what a termite inspection covers, but does the pest inspection also cover termite infestation or is it just pest and what is in what do you look for when you're you're inspecting for any type of pest infestation right so, so yeah we're kind of delineating between two different types of inspections basically a wood destroying right. organism or a termite inspection is is an um is a, a document that's created um with uh and, and it's considered a wood destroying organism inspection report right a pest inspection report can uh, involve um, everything from rodent-related concerns and issues, um, and and or any other type of crawling insect, if you like, mm -hmm. if you will, like ants and spiders and silverfish and uh, everything else that kind of plagues our our, our homes these days. Um, but while we're doing that inspection, we're also um, uh, assessing the property for conducive conditions. Uh, on both types of inspections. So if, uh, say, a customer has an issue, a serious issue with a rodent-related issue, or they're just hearing noises in the ceiling, mm -hmm. we need to really determine where how, how they're getting in or if there's a like a natural bridge uh, allowing um, a, a rodent to actually cross over from uh, the, the ground level using the tree as a natural bridge to get onto the roof line. Ah. And then rodents will scour a roof line until they can find uh, an opening almost the size of uh, a dime, uh, okay. the diameter of a dime. And if they can determine that perhaps there's a, a void behind that opening, they will chew their way into your house wow. and, 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 and start nesting. How do we as homeowners prevent that from happening? Is there any type of treatment that we can, uh, that we can get or that they, you know, homeowners can get that can prevent them from starting to dig? Is there maybe a foul smell that you guys could spray that would just, um, make it very unattractive to them. Mm -hmm. Well, it's a, a pretty ac um, a practical approach to helping to prevent that in the first place. Um, some of the key things really literally would be um, to work with your landscaper mm -hmm. 
or if you're up to you know climbing a ladder and trimming back the tree away from the roof line so that you're maintaining you know if it's if it's possible a good solid four foot distance between the tree the limb of the tree and the roof line um you know uh unfortunately rodents are could be really difficult uh problem to get rid of right. and and they're survivalists they will attempt to to jump from a tree to a house slide off the roof fall 10 feet oh my God. recover <laughs> go, go back up the tree try it again wow until they until they accomplish their task wow. so um you know other than other than eliminating those uh, natural bridges if you will um a, a regular routine assessment if you suspect that your neighbor has an issue, mm -hmm. uh, definitely, you know, give us a call. Uh, any of our inspectors can come out and check that area for you. Right. They jump recommendations. From, right. They jump from property to property. So if you see that there's a, a tent in, on your block, you definitely want to get Lloyd termite pest control out there. <laughs> That's an indication. Yes. Yeah. That there's a, there's an issue and it's really interesting sometimes, uh, in, in certain parts of San Diego, uh, you know, most homeowners realize that uh, their property is one of the largest investments they, they maintain, mm -hmm. and they're willing to put the maintenance dollars into correcting these types of problems. Um, you know, having the house uh, fumigated when it's warranted. Mm -hmm. um, but it seems like there's always that one homeowner um, in every neighborhood that uh, more or less mm -hmm. has that uh, mentality that, you know, we'll just let the house fall down around us because we're going to eventually give it to the kids anyway. Yeah, uh, they are uh, very generous folks for sure, but uh, they can end up being a problem. They can harbor a problem for everybody else in the neighborhood. Oh, yeah. Especially this time of year when dry wood termites are swarming. Um, you'll sometimes see a huge um, amount of insects flying and in, in, uh, something that almost resembles a cloud of insects and they're oh. attracted to light. So uh, if this happens in the early morning or late at night, sometimes you'll see a porch light that's just surrounded by a whole bunch of insect activity. It's very likely that could either be, you know, typical moths or whatever, but it's also mm -hmm. likely it could be termites. So what, uh, how often should somebody have their home evaluated by an inspector? If, uh, if you live in an area that has a high propensity for termite infestation, we usually recommend, uh, and that's actually, let me stop what I'm saying there. Huh. That's almost every place in San Diego. Okay. Yeah. I was going to ask. <laughs> it's a, it's a good idea to, to actually have us come out and assess on an annual basis. Okay. Yeah. yeah. If you, if there's a lot of, um, termite related services being provided in your neighborhood, that's a pretty, pretty clear indication that it's likely that you might also have an issue. And we always, you know, appreciate the opportunity to, um, to inform the customer that it, we believe that we caught this issue early. And that uh, there doesn't appear to be any um, um, either just cosmetic damage or, um, you know, once the termite infestation gets embedded, if it stays there, you know, for a decade or two or three decades, mm -hmm. it can start to cause some structural damage. And what's the warranty like? So let's just say we get a buyer that uh, purchases a home. They tented the property in order for them to get to for financing to pass. And they go through Lloyd's uh, termite company and you guys provide a, a free and clear termite report. What is the warranty on, on that? How long is, do you guys guarantee that the property will be free and clear of termites after tenting? Yeah, I would say industry standards, typically a year. 
Uh, Lloyd's offers a four-year warranty. Wow. So, uh, and that simply means that we're going to be by your side standing as their centennial so that uh, there's an issue down the road. Um, uh, the warranty includes a routine inspection on an annual basis, or if you see something on the property, if the homeowner sees something, because we can't be there every single day, um, call us out to the property. If there's a appears to be a re reinfestation, all of the treatment um, uh, processes are included at no charge for the next four years. So okay. it kind of helps to provide some peace of mind, you know, because fumigation, you're making an investment in your property. Uh, it's kind of nice to know that um, you know, we're going to be around to continue to service the property for you. Okay. And then for realtors out there, I, this question is pretty common. They ask, realtors often ask me, what's the difference between section one and section two on the termite inspection report? Okay. Question that's posed uh, quite often and typically by the homeowner, because most real estate agents um, have already gone through the process of uh, what the termite inspection process is all about and that sort of thing. But Generally speaking, a section one related finding that comes up in the inspection report, the WDIR, uh, that is uh, indication of a live infestation or, or active infestation or evidence of damage associated with termites, um, dry rot, fungus, um, any other type of wood destroying organism like be beetles and uh, the aforementioned uh, mm -hmm. carpenter ants or carpenter bees, that sort of thing. So all the section one related issues, uh, generally speaking, are uh, uh, recommendations that typically are required to be corrected. So current infestation and repair work that's yeah, needed. Correct. Okay. And then the section two related items are uh, primarily all of the conducive conditions, if you will. And that are, those are conditions that would lead to the potential infestation. So um, things like, um, you know, where homeowners are doing some heavy landscaping or re-landscaping mm -hmm. and the landscaper unknowingly is filling up those planters full of, you know, uh, amendments or, or topsoil and all that topsoil is drifting into the structure and, and it's uh, coming in contact with um, uh, the uh, wood siding right. or um, the, a metal screed that might be at the base of the um uh, concrete uh, stucco wall, mm -hmm. uh, which is, which would cre essentially create a natural bridge for um, all kinds of bugs to get from the earth into the base of the wall, mm -hmm. including termites. Right. So also um, water staining, water uh, leaks uh, are considered section two. Okay. Um, earth to wood contact points, uh, such as uh, a wooden deck that might mm -hmm. be literally built on the right on the grade. In some cases, uh, do-it-yourself uh, homeowner yeah. uh, doesn't really want to go through all the steps of uh, pouring concrete or pouring footings, elevating the substructure of the deck up off the earth in order to keep the deck, um, maintain that clearance. So there's air passage uh, or air that moves underneath that, that structure uh, and, and helps to, to keep the base of the deck dried out. Okay, perfect. So um, basically, Section 2 is preventative. Is what you're saying primarily right? yeah they're correctable preventative type of conditions uh that uh, can lead to infestation now anytime a report is created there's record of it right so for instance if a buyer is looking to purchase a home and they want to check to see if a termite inspection has been um currently uh an inspector's been out recently where can they look where can they research to see if there's an inspection on the property as of recently? Well, um, I'm not quite sure about this from a legality point, but once an inspection report is generated, um, 
published, if you will, mm -hmm. it's uh, at some point it becomes public record. Um, and most consumers can actually go to the state structural pest control board in Sacramento okay. and request copies of inspection reports and treatment reports, fumigation reports that have been performed on that particular property. In most cases, you can reach across the aisle uh, to a um, uh, another realtor, maybe a, a listing agent that listed the property previously. Uh, and a lot of a lot of times, th that information is readily available. Okay, perfect. Well, you answered a lot of our questions. I appreciate you coming by. Quick, okay, one last question. Yeah, if, more throw them at me. <laughs> if somebody wanted to order a home inspection on their property, what do you guys charge, and who do they contact? Well, if it's a real estate related um, inspection and the realtor calls us, calls the inspector directly, most of my colleagues will waive the fees Okay. Uh, because it's just a, you know, invitation opportunity to, to do business. Right. Um, you know, home inspectors, they charge their own separate fees essentially. But uh, if you reach out to our office um, and, and ask for um, the area um, rep, you, that's one option. Um, if you, uh, you establish a, a good rapport with a real estate agent. Typically, you, the real estate agent is going to call you directly, and we're more than happy to uh, take the business if it's uh, um, or accept that invitation. I should say if it's within a reasonable driving distance. Uh, most of my colleagues will go just about anywhere their listing agents um, have property that is uh, going up for sale. Okay. Um, and uh, just one thing I wanted to point out: it's always a really good idea. Most people are like the idea of proactive. Uh, approach to dealing with problems before you start negotiating the sale of the home. Right. Um, we love it. We love our realtors that call us uh, way in advance of, uh, um, you know, listing the property or do they even put for sale signs in front of houses anymore? Cause I don't think that it's really necessary. Yeah, is we, it? We still do. Okay. I mean, property still all over the, the World Wide web, but yeah, uh, right. we still do. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I always thought that was funny. It was like, uh, uh, I could remember so many times where, you know, I was on the property, doing the inspection and the guy drives up in the truck uh, getting ready to plant a sign in the front yard. And he said, uh, you know, we don't really need your services because the house is already sold. Oh, uh, yeah. Know, oh, that poor guy. Oh, yeah. Properties sell very, very quickly nowadays. So you order a, a sign and postage uh, or post, sign and post. And yeah. by the time they get out there, the home yeah, usually is sold. But yeah. they're usually out there. They're usually out there within a day or two. So. Right, right. So if, if someone does want to get directly in touch with me, um, you can reach out to our customer service at 1-800-BAD-BUGS. Mm -hmm. uh, I love that. Yeah. And or just call, you can call me directly or uh, drop me an email, text me a message. Perfect. Um, What's your email address? It's uh, steve.nemosec at lloydpest.com. And how do you spell Nemosec? Nemosec is spelled N-E-M-O-S-E-C-K. Perfect. Well, thanks so much for joining us today. Uh, thanks to the audience for listening in. If you guys have any questions, you have his contact information. And uh, if you have any comments, questions uh, for me, uh, go ahead and click on the link below or comment below. All right. Until next time, guys. Bye. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Selling Sandoval podcast. If you've enjoyed today's episode, be sure to subscribe to our podcast and stay tuned for more valuable insights and practical tips. Remember, whether you're a buyer, seller, or an aspiring real estate agent, the Selling Sandoval podcast is your trusted companion in navigating the dynamic California real estate landscape. Until next time, keep dreaming big and making those real estate dreams a reality. This is Victoria Sandoval signing off from the Selling Sandoval podcast, wishing you success and happiness in all of your real estate endeavors.